Well, when you make a promise to someone, you invite them to trust you. I'll meet you at the shops at three o'clock. I'll have that ready for you by the morning. I'll have you and hold you for the rest of my life, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Whenever we make a promise to someone, we invite them to trust us. That will come through on what we say. All promises invite trust. Now, sometimes that trust is betrayed. Uh, People not keeping their word is sadly part and parcel of everyday living, isn't it? And we don't like it. But we would love to be able to deal honestly with people and for them to deal honestly with us. It's just that we know it's not how things work. So we become careful and guarded in our relationships. But with God, we have the one who always keeps his word. It's impossible for God to lie, which means every time he speaks, we can trust him. Every time he says something, it's true. When he makes promises, he always keeps his word. Today, we're continuing to think about God relating to us by his word. And this morning, what we discover is that God comes to us with words of promise. And so we're called on to trust him, trusting that God will always keep his word. And so today, you and I need to walk out of here as people who relate to God by trusting him. Now, there's lots of different sorts of promises that God makes in his word. And of course, uh, most of them are to do with the coming of his son, uh, who Jesus is, uh, what he came to do. But because God has revealed himself as the God who wants to know us, well, it's not surprising that his promises about Jesus also concern us. And so in our Bibles, God makes promises that concern our entire lives. Uh, from the time we turn to him to save us, right through the rest of our life and on into eternity. So this morning, we're going to be looking at God's promises that cover our whole lives as his people. And so to start with, we need to look at God's promises to save. Now, right throughout the Old Testament, God promised that he would save his people. And we're told, as we've just sung, that Jesus came to fulfill all of God's Old Testament promises. And so we're going to look up a famous passage where God's final salvation is promised to all who believe in Jesus. So make sure, please, that you can see John chapter 3. I just had it read to us. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16. In these words of Jesus, we have God's promise to save whoever would believe in his Son. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now that is a fantastic promise of God, don't you think? Whoever believes in the son, in the Lord Jesus, will not perish but they'll have eternal life because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, though he could have, couldn't he? Because sin was and is everywhere. I've got my sin, you've got your sin. The world over is guilty before God. God could have easily and rightly sent his son into the world to condemn the world, but he didn't. 
Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus was given to die for sinners. He came to take their sin upon himself. Jesus came to be sacrificed in their place. Jesus was sent to die to save the world. God gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What we also need to note, though, is that if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll perish. Because God promises that one day he will send his son into the world to condemn the world. God's promised that there's a day coming when the Lord Jesus will return. And on that day, people will perish. They'll be destroyed. And it'll be the people who have not believed in the son. Because Christ died to save sinners. That people like you and me could be forgiven of our sins. So if we do trust in him to have our penalty paid for us, then our sins have already been dealt with. But if we don't trust him, if we don't believe in the Son, well then we'll have to face the punishment for our sins ourselves. And so on the day Christ returns, you'll perish. You'll be destroyed if you don't believe in the Son. The last verse of John 3 reads like this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. That's God's promise. So please, place your trust in Jesus. Because God's promise to you and to me is that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Now that is an astonishing promise of God. And many of us here have experienced the firsthand, the wonder of having our sins forgiven, trusting in Jesus to save us. And we continue, don't we, to be astounded at the kindness of God to us. But maybe you too have heard this promise of God many times before, but you still don't believe in Jesus. You haven't placed your trust in him to save you from God's anger against your sin. You've heard it all before, but frankly, it doesn't mean much to you. I beg you, change your mind. Believe in the Son, please. He came to save. Don't perish. It could be, though, that you're sitting here and this is one of the very first times in your entire life that you've heard this amazing promise of God that whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. And you're thinking, that's just too good to be true. There's always a catch with things like this. Please listen. God gives this promise over and over and over again in the Bible. It is not too good to be true. God can't lie. And he's promising eternal life to whoever believes in his son. So trust in Christ, won't you, to take the punishment for your sins. Trust in the Lord Jesus to save you from God's anger against your sin. Trust in the Son of God to do it all for you. And God promises eternal life to you because of Jesus. So do it today, won't you? It's not too good to be true. Put your trust in Jesus. Believe in him and receive eternal life. Or it could be that you're sitting there and you find it hard to believe that God would save someone like you. 
It's so easy for you to find fault with yourself, so easy for you to condemn yourself, so easy for you to belittle yourself, so easy for you to convince yourself that God can't love you. God can't save you. Now, how do I say this nicely? Stop rubbing God's nose in it. God promises. He can't lie. He says, whoever, whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. God didn't give up his son to death for you to turn around and say, that wasn't enough. You need to make a choice. You can either trust yourself that God can't save you, or you can trust God and his beautiful promise. And I beg you, please, don't listen to the lies that run around in your head. Trust in the promises of God. He can save you. Believe in Jesus and you will have eternal life. Now, the last three types of promises that we're going to look at this morning, they all apply directly to those who have put their trust in Christ to save them. Because God promises us things that cover all of our lives, from the time we believe in Jesus to save us, right through to the very end of life and into eternity. But if you're here today and you haven't put your trust in Christ yet, you're still thinking things through, if that's you, please don't switch off for the rest of this talk. Because what we're going to be looking on from here on is important for you to understand before you put your trust in Jesus. Very important to know what you're signing up for, what you're getting into. So all that I'm about to say is important for you to hear, as well as for those of us who already have put our trust in the Son of God. Now, we've just thought about God's promise to save through Jesus. And as we thought about last week, it's God's plan, isn't it? to bring people from all nations to enjoy the rule and the salvation of Jesus. But this is a plan that the world doesn't like. So if you're going to be on board with God's salvation, don't expect the world to like you. In fact, in this life, God promises that Christians will be persecuted. We're up to point B on your outline. In John 15, Jesus said, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. The world hated Jesus, had him crucified. So if you're going to follow Jesus and trust in him, don't expect the world to be your fan either. Paul has a similar promise from God for us in 2 Timothy. This one will come up on the screen for you. This one's from 2 Timothy. In fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Ever noticed how the Bible's a very realistic book? Doesn't hold back on the gritty bits of life. In his word, God meets us in the real world and he tells us as it is. And if you follow Jesus, you'll be persecuted. There's a promise of God for you. It's like a university lecturer at the start of the year, telling their class that in all likelihood some of them, some of the students won't be able to do this course. So if you want to be in this class, then you need to understand it's not going to be easy. If you want to be Christian, then you need to understand it's not going to be easy. God warns us up front, promises us in black and white that his people will be persecuted. We shouldn't be surprised when people mock us or make fun of us for being Christian. 
You shouldn't be put off by it either. It's not strange when people belittle you for having Christian beliefs. That's normal. God's promised that it will happen. So don't be put off by it. Instead, well, let's listen to what Paul told Timothy to do uh, in the next few verses after telling him of certain persecution. Up on the screen again. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In the scriptures, we know of God's salvation for those who trust in Christ. That's what we're thinking of uh, before in John chapter 3. Eternal life for all those who believe in the Son of God. Jesus is the only way any of us can be saved. So if people are going to persecute you for following Jesus, well, so be it. So be it. As for you, continue in what you've learned. Salvation only comes through Christ. Jesus is worth any persecution that comes your way. Don't throw the towel in because you get a hard time. God promised us that hard times would come. So it's okay. Because not only does God promise us persecution, he also promises to take care of us in everything right to the very end. Now, there are many places we could go into the Bible where God promises to look after his people, but I thought we'd look at one in 1 Thessalonians. So turn across to that one, please. 1 Thessalonians and chapter 5. It's to the right of John, towards the back, in amongst all the T's, Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy. It's in there. The Thessalonians, they were having a rough time. They were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. And right at the end of his letter... Paul encourages them by reminding them of God's promise to care for his people right to the end. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. God's faithful. He keeps his word, never breaks a promise. And here he promises to keep his people blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's faithful. He'll do it. So in all the difficulties of life, in all the persecutions, in all the temptations, in all the distractions, in all our struggles with sin, God will keep us. Beautiful, isn't it? God will keep us blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when Christ returns, God's people will have remained in their trust in Jesus. They won't have been swayed or distracted or persecuted out of the kingdom. No, God promises to keep his people in Christ, blameless in him, forgiven because of Jesus. And God's faithful. He'll do it. He'll keep us Christian right to the end. So as you struggle with sin, keep struggling and ask God to give you the strength 
to persevere and to say no to sin. He's faithful. He'll do it. If you're being persecuted for the sake of Christ, hang in there. Ask God to give you the strength to endure. He's faithful. He will do it. If you're finding yourself distracted from living for God, caught up in the worries of life and in the deceitfulness of wealth, and God's barely making it onto the margins of your life, ask God to give you the wisdom to choose him over the world. He's faithful. He'll do it. God promises to care for his people, to keep them blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in all the mess of life, hold on to the to God's promise that in it all, God is looking after you. So trust him and keep living for him. Now, not only does God promise to save us, to care for us, for the rest of our lives, he also promises us future rest, eternal rest, that there's coming a day when all the trials and difficulties and pains and worries and distresses of life, they'll all vanish. When Christ returns, we'll be given rest from sin and death, rest from frustration and anxiety, rest from pain and distress. God promises us that in the life to come, we'll have complete rest. Now, there are some versions of Christianity out there that hold out the promise of rest in the here and now. That in this life you can be healthy, wealthy and trouble-free. Some churches offer up this superficial, unrealistic, untrue tripe. And these lies are very damaging. Because if I go along with this healthy, wealthy, trouble-free gospel, what do I do when my body does become sick? And my life is filled with trouble, as God promised me in his word. If I've gone along with this false gospel, then I've only got a few options left to me. Either I'm not one of God's people because he's not giving me health and wealth and a trouble-free life, or God's not keeping his promise of giving me health and wealth and a trouble-free life, and so God turns out to be a liar, or there's something terribly wrong with me as one of God's people. And that's why God's holding back on me. And so all the attention then turns to me and what I have or haven't done and uh, the, the different things about whether I've got enough faith or not. And so instead of looking to Jesus, I'm left to doubt God, doubt one of my, my place as one of God's people. I'm left to doubt the promises of God in his word. And surprise, surprise, it's not going to take me long to ditch this God, which wouldn't be a bad thing because this God doesn't even exist. Instead, well, let's listen to the truth. Hear these words from Romans chapter 8. They're going to come up on the screen for you. Romans chapter 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We do not yet have 
the eternal rest that God has promised us. As Paul says, in this life we groan, we struggle in our bodies of sin and death. We grapple with this world of sin and death. Pain and trouble is the lot of everyone living in this world. And on top of that, God promises us as his people persecution for the sake of Christ. But as Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, they're not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Because God promises us new bodies, free from sin, new lives, free from sickness and death. God promises us a new world, free from the struggle and the injustice and tragedy and pain and death, and we know it's coming because God's promised it and he always keeps his word. God's already demonstrated it by rising Jesus from the dead and he's already into glory. He'll do the same for us. And so as you struggle and groan in this life, do so trusting in God's promise of future rest. Continue with your trust in Christ as your Lord and Saviour because there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's worth it. Our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that's coming. Now, I'm not saying that our troubles are easy. I know that many of you are going through great difficulties in your life. But Christ and the glories that are to come are worth it. Because in the Lord Jesus we have the promise of salvation, the promise of persecution, the promise of God's care for the rest of our lives and on into eternity, the promise of eternal future rest. And God can't lie. He always keeps his word. So let's walk out of here, continuing in what we have learned and become convinced of. Let's walk out of here, trusting in the promises of God, gladly living with Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you never break your promise. You always keep your word. Thank you that even though it meant the death of your son, he came to bring the salvation you had promised. Thank you that in him we have your your promise of care, that you will look after us even amongst the persecution that will come our way, that you will keep us in Jesus until the very end. Father, we look forward to the future eternal rest that you have in store for your people. And we pray that you would keep us until that day, gladly living with Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, trusting in him to be our God. For his sake we pray, Father. Amen.